Rothman Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome uh, to the Rich Rothman Show. It's 5 o'clock, and I'm glad you're here today on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Dead center of the summer. Good to have you here. Alex, how are you today? Dog days of summer is the word I like These to use. These are the dog days. Yeah. The, you know what? we got to get, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in the DVD. We're going to get some outtakes from Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, that's a great idea. I, I think we should start working with some of those. It's Excellent. time for Attica, Attica, things like that. Anyway, welcome to the uh, Rich Rothman Show. The number here is 866 954-4276. And uh, if you like to get involved in some of the conversations we're going to have today, 866-954-4276. Good to have you here. Uh, we're on 880 The Biz. I got to tell you, I don't know how you all feel, but, you know, I'm listening to a lot of different shows right now. And uh, and I'm listening to a lot of, of, of cable shows. I'm listening to people on the street. I got to tell you, there's a really horrific feeling out there with people. They're very frustrated, aren't they, Alex? You know, I would tend to agree. Yeah, I think they're just absolutely fed up the way things are running right now. And, and, and I think, you know what? This is how I feel. Go ahead. Things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. and There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressmen because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Well, I got to tell you, that's exactly how I feel, and I don't think I'm alone, Alex. I actually did that today. I stuck my head right out the window. I think a lot of people should do that. Yeah. I think a lot of people should watch the news tonight, and I want you to watch. The I don't news. even watch the news anymore. Too depressing. Well, I I have I have to watch. The I news. watch ESPN now. My, my, I, I have to watch the news in a different part of the house from my wife because Gloria doesn't want me to watch the news yeah. with her. I'm the same way. I lose my mind. Yeah. Does anyone out? You must out there. You must be watching this and saying, "What in God's name is going on?" Because everything seems to be ripping apart, and that drives me insane when I, when I look at that. You know, the thing that drives me crazy is that we go from one scenario to another scenario. And I was trying to think about this. You know, I know we had this conversation a long time ago when Obama was running for office. You know, I did an analysis between uh, Obama's speeches and things that were said, you know, a number of years ago. So let me, let me, just, let me just play this with you, friend. I want you folks out there to listen to this and see if you feel the same way about this. You know, we're going from an energy crisis. Well, first it was the banking crisis. You know, that was a disaster last year. 
And we still haven't resolved that because not anyone's really gone to jail over that yet, have they? I don't, I don't think they have. In fact, a lot of them have been selected to be in major positions. <laughs> you know, so I'm just stunned well, by that one. I don't one. know if we're supposed to talk about that too much. You know, oh, they're, they're out there. They're in, you know, we have a lot of czars, and, uh, and we have more czars. And, and, and I, this is good because as we march to socialism, they'll have the people in place to really run it uh, as czars. And pretty soon all of us will be eating borscht. Uh, you know, what can I tell you? But let me, let me just try some of these lines on you and, and see what you think about this. And you folks out there, listen to this and see if it makes any sense. And our number is 866-954-4276. Okay, here's your first quote. You tell me who said this, all right? The way to crush the bourgeoisie is to grind them between the millstones of taxation and inflation. You want me to tell you who said that? Who do you think? Give me a while. But a, uh, Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette, no. No, oh, no, 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 no. Marie Antoinette, this, this, she said, let them eat cake. She's, it's alleged that she said, let them eat cake. Of course, I, here's something for you out there if you're listening. Cake, what she was referring to, is not like, let's go to Publix and, whoa, let's have a birthday cake. Mm-hmm. You know, and saying happy birthday. That's not it. That's not the cake that the French are referring to. The cake was actually the leftover crumbs from bread that was cooked in the oven that at the end of the day of pulling the breads in and pulling them out and putting them in and pulling them out, these pieces would fall off, and you'd have all these like little ragged tears of uh, bread floating around. That was called cake, by the way. It was the burnt ends of cake Doesn't that was sound so in the good. oven. No, 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 no. Because I was wondering, <laughs> well, it, it could not be so bad. How many candles can you put in there? Let them eat cake, a Napoleon perhaps, oppressed. And the poor people just give them a cookie. Okay, now. The, uh, Vladimir Lenin said that. The way to crush the bourgeoisie is to grind them between the millstones of taxation and inflation. Inflation's going to come soon. Let's crush them. It's, it's on its way. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's going to sure. happen in the next couple of years. We're going to have hyperinflation. Okay. And taxation. What is the Obama group saying? Tax and tax. We're going to tax. We're going to have cap and tax, cap and trade, crap and trade. We're going to have all this stuff out there right now with the folks, those wonderful Democrats that we have in Congress right now, looking out for all of us so everyone has a fair shot at a fair shot. Okay, here's a good one. Here's another another quote. A lie told often enough becomes truth. Bill Clinton. Well, that you know, he did follow that. I I had did I did not have sex with a a lie told often enough becomes truth. Lenin said that as well. And the thing that I find amazing is that every day those who are supporting the Obama uh, you know, death care, which is what it's really going to be, the Obama death care are saying the same thing over and over again, Alex. They're saying the number one threat to America is health care. The number one threat to America is health care. Now, when we come back at about 5.10 or so, we're going to have um, uh, Dennis Wolf is going to be on the phone with us, and we're going to be talking about health care. And uh, Dennis, of course, you know, is an author of a book. He wrote a book uh, last year called The Sixth Solution, A Prescription for National Health. And we're going to be talking about Canadian health care, socialized health care, all this wonderful health care around the world in socialized nations that actually they come here for their health care. You know what I mean? Because it's death care over there. So I thought it would be a good idea to have some of these Leninist quotes, and we'll go on with this in just a minute. So we'll be right back. This is Rich Rothman along with Alex on the Rich Rothman Show at 880 The Biz. You better stay there. We've got good stuff coming. Great. 
Every year, the ITC leads two business development missions to countries that have the potential to increase trade with our community through Miami International Airport or the Port of Miami. The ITC is the official county agency charged with the development of this trade and functions as an umbrella organization or clearinghouse for other trade development efforts within the county. Our vision is to promote and strengthen Miami-Dade County's excellent business climate, strong international financial services, and rich cultural diversity, making it the logical platform for trade with Latin America and the Caribbean. For more information about the J. Molina International Trade Consortium, go to miamidade.gov slash ITC or call us at 305-375-5808. Seaboard Marine is an ocean transportation company that provides direct regular service between the United States and the Caribbean Basin, Central and South America. Seaboard Marine's success in the region for nearly 25 years has enabled it to expand into new markets now serving nearly 40 ports in over 20 countries. Seaboard Marine's facilities include a private terminal of nearly 70 acres at the Port of Miami. Seaboard Marine carries more cargo to and from the Port of Miami than any other carrier. Although this facility complies with and exceeds all governmental security mandates, it operates seven days a week, 365 days a year, a unique convenience for its customers. Seaboard Marine serves these routes from Miami. Bahamas, Grand Cayman, Colombia, Dominican Republic, Eastern Caribbean, Haiti, Jamaica, North Central America, South Central America, Venezuela, and the West Coast of South America, including Peru, Chile, Bolivia. Seaboard Marine, a trade leader in the Western Hemisphere. Should commodities be part of your investment portfolio in 2009? What might be the performance for commodities in 2009? Where are the energy prices going? Is the bearish trend coming to an end in the U.S. dollar? Should I own gold or silver? Will the cost of food go up or down? If these questions are important to your investment strategy, then you should be talking to MB Wealth, a full-service commodity brokerage, to find out how MB Wealth is positioning its clients to take advantage of commodities over the next few months and quarters. Let MB Wealth help you at the retail level or advise you on a partial asset allocation with a commodity trading advisor with an established track record. In this volatile economy, it is more important than ever to have a diversified portfolio. Find out more on commodity investment specifics by calling MB Wealth at 954-929-9997 or log on to our website at www.mbwealth.com. While you're there, check out MB Wealth's weekly commodity commentary plus monthly research articles, tools that can help with your investment decisions. Call Matt Bradbart, President MB Wealth, at 954-929-9997 for all the details. MB Wealth, a full-service commodity firm. <coughs> risk of loss in trading commodity futures and options can be substantial. All funds committed should be purely risk capital. Past performance is no guarantee of future trading results. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rothman. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL, customer service is back in shipping. From Atlantic Radio Network. Just a bit outside. This is the Rich Rothman Show. 8.80 a.m. Come out, Virginia. Don't let me wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. All the sooner or later, come 
Okay, welcome back. That's a little uh, Billy Joel. Only the good die young. Oh, wait a minute. The Only the good. Hey, you know what? I'll bet that can happen with Obama health care. Only the good will die young. <laughs> I think everyone's going to be dying young. Well, you know, the guy over in, in Britain last week died. He was 22 years of age. This is on the on all over the Internet last week. 22 years of age. And he was, granted, he was an alcoholic. I have a lot of trouble with that myself. Yeah. He had a very bad cirrhosis of the liver, um, and he needed a liver transplant. And they decided, they being the national health care system, and within the nat- national health care system, you go before a board, and you have to petition whether you would like, um, uh, it's, uh, if you want a liver, I suppose it's sort of like going into public and saying, do you have any rib steaks today? And you have to go before the guys who do the cutting, and, hey, you got any rib steaks today? And, um, and they decided that since he didn't demonstrate six months of sobriety, uh, that he wasn't qualified for a liver. And that's exactly what happened. He that died. was his actual reaction. That yeah. was, well, he died. They let him die. Of course, they gave him a lot of morphine along the way, uh, and they let him die. So uh, welcome to Obama's prescription for death. Uh, hey, on the phone right now, Dennis Wolf. How are you, Dennis? Hi, Rich. Thank you for having me back on the air. Well, I'm, I'm really glad. I meant to get you back sooner. And then when you started sending me some more of your blogs and stuff and some of the th- things that you've been writing, uh, I said, oh, my God, i got to get Dennis back on the show because I have been madder than hell about what's going on. And I am stunned with what's happening to America right now. Doesn't, aren't you sick about what's happening? Um, I'm yeah. at a loss. I'm almost speechless, which is rare for me. This is terrifying. This is, this is Nazi Germany. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what's happening right now. I mean, we're, what people don't seem to understand, and by the way, again, Dennis, uh, Dennis Wolf, author uh, of The Sick Solution, A Prescription for National Health. Dennis, have you written a new book since that one? No, I haven't. Uh, that book stands on its own. It's not the best written book, I have to admit that. And at this point, I don't even care if anybody buys it. What people need to buy into is that they better be saving this country right now. Well, it's it's interesting. Before you get on on the uh, on the phone, I want to go over to Obama's care Obamacare's prescription for death, and we can talk about why everyone thinks it's it's great everybody everywhere else, but you know it's not here. And we just discussion last week. We were talking about survival rates for health care in the United States versus in any other major socialized country, and we're light years ahead of of any other country in the world in terms of you know providing health care and and providing the ability to survive. Uh, cancer, the ability to um, uh, get uh, prosthetic devices, the right to have hip re- you know, you, c- you could wait 142 days in certain socialized countries for the right to get a, a hip replacement, and that's only after you petition to get on that list, and that could take months to do that. But here's a couple of things that I find amazing. You know, De- Dennis, doesn't it in- intrigue you that every day you hear from the Democrats you know, the biggest problem facing America today, ladies and gentlemen, is health care. It's obvious health care will destroy this country. Now, to me, that, that's one of the biggest lies that's out there. That is an unbelievable lie. There isn't anyone in this country right now who has not, who does not have the ability to get to an emergency room or call a doctor and get health care. And there is, and there is virtually, besides private insurance or group insurance, there are virtually a myriad of programs out there now that are paying through public programs to pay for those that don't have health care. I have a friend who didn't have health care insurance protection, cost care protection, ended up with a hernia surgery. The bill was $50,000, and the hospital wrote it off through their foundation. Well, there you go. That's my point, exactly. There are ways to pay for it. This is not about health care, and everybody that's listening right now and everybody that hears anything about this needs to understand that health care 
reform is actually a fancy phrase for health care rationing. If you're going to reform health care, you can only either perfect it or limit it. And that's what reform is. You can't perfect it. That's a mathematical impossibility. Therefore, health care reform is rationing. And to that degree, Rich, that's exactly what they're talking about in D.C. The public, however, perceives that they're talking about affordable health care cost protection. That's a different phrase. They're using governmental language to twist in people's minds because people don't understand this issue. See, what they don't understand, and, and, and it makes me insane, is that the 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 uh, first of all, health care is not the greatest threat to this country right now. Actually, yeah. I think it's the folks in Washington are the greatest threat to this country right now. Yeah. You know, that that's the most dangerous. But but the the greatest threat is that if they do move forward with the socialized medicine concept, which, by the way, I find it to be amazing that any of the leaders of the other countries that have socialized medicine, i.e. Canada, uh, Britain, Norway, Sweden uh, and so forth are telling us, don't swing to this side, baby. Don't do this, because nope. it doesn't work over here. I get, you, know what, what, you know what's amazing? Those in the United States who need bypass surgery all right, can get that within days if you really need it. I mean, if you went to the ER complaining of chest pain, you know, and, the, and the EMTs will think, well, you know, this, this cat's dying of a, you know, a heart attack right now. Right. And they're going to check you out and go, hey, you know what? You need quadruple bypass surgery, sort of like what Clinton did. You know, okay, you know when you're going to get that bypass surgery? Probably within 24 hours. Because it's, it's an emergency. It's, that's right. right, Dennis. It's an emergency. But in, 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 in countries such as Norway, for example, which has uh, a, uh, a socialized medicine, you may wait up to 46 days after you petitioned for bypass surgery. Right. And Well, Rich, what you're really talking about here, again, we're going back to that same word, rationing. They are limiting the care. And I'm almost thinking maybe I should have a change of heart right now. And instead of being a heartful person, I should become heartless like Obama and Congress. Why don't we just get rid of all the stupid people in this country? And as you know or don't know, the Democrats have actually stated in the language of the bill, they may amend this later because of the heat they're getting, they actually call people who are developmentally disabled, a phrase that is very often used to, to accurately and professionally describe people who have mental health issues. The Democrats call them retards in the bill. It's, it's, it's reprehensible to me how this party has taken control of this country with just a fractional group from the far left. And they plan, I think this bill is nothing more than just a way to kill and purify America. And if I'm not wrong, I think I'm not wrong. That's what Hitler tried to do in Nazi Germany. Well, yes, that was in this article that we were talking about from Canada. It was in, what, Newsweek or something uh, that you sent to me today? Let me just hang on. Canadian Free Press. Yeah, Canadian Free Press, yeah, Obamacare's prescription for death. Yeah, they know it. And, and, and there's, let's backtrack, because when I was on your show before, I talked about H.R. 1, and I talked about the stimulus bill. If you recall, I stated then, and I'm categorically now proven correct, that bill had nothing to do with putting money out into the communities because we know there's no money coming from that bill that's helping communities. That's right. The bill was a setup, and I said it then, and I'm saying it again now with more, with, with, with more conviction. That bill was set up to create the Office of the Health Information Technology Czar and to mandate that all private medical records be turned over to the government to determine cost-effectiveness of treatment. Well, now that they know who you are and they know what your health history is, well, now this new bill has actually got counseling for assisted suicide. Well, why don't I, I'm expecting that this is going to create a whole new union of federalized workers 
to go out across the country into towns with, with uh, motorhomes. And we don't need doctors to, to kill people. We just use new federalized workers and train them how to put a needle in them. Well, you know what I was just thinking? They could probably get a good deal with Dr. Kevorkian. Absolutely. You know what? Because he's looking own. for a gig. He's looking for a job right now. Yeah. And, and let, let's make something else. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty here. Anybody that can think they can rest on their laurels right now that the blue dog Democrats are going to save them, uh, boy, have you got another thought coming, because uh, a sc- there are many species of scorpions, and you can use all kinds of adjectives to describe them, but in the end, they're still scorpions. And, this, and dem- blue dog Democrats are still Democrats. And right now, I believe they know that if they vote for this, they're very likely going to get booted out of office in a couple of years uh, at the next congressional house election, 2010. But that's not the lead, that's not their concern. I think what they're doing right now is I think they're busy negotiating packages for these blue dogs and saying, look, we just need a few of you that we can sacrifice to vote for this, and we'll take care of you and your families. Don't worry. Because the stakes here are much bigger than if we pay off a couple of blue dogs than if we get control of the health care system. And I believe that's what they're doing behind closed doors. These blue dogs could end up becoming traitors on us, and we need to call. We need people, Peter Finch, they're mad as hell. We need to get out there and start yelling in the streets. You mean sort of like this. Go ahead, Alex, play that. It's long, though. Got to edit it down to get to the end. Everybody's out of work. Let's give give Dennis a listen. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street, and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to riot. I don't want you to write to your congressmen because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. That's kind of it, isn't it? That's it, exactly. And you know something? If you can possibly get the ability to put that on your website and post it, we can direct everybody to that so they can download it and listen to it, because we have got to get this message out that we are looking at a brutalization of America. This is a sodomization of America. I can't take it anymore. You know, there, that was Aunt Sophie, wasn't it? Uh, poor of course answer. it was. Yeah, Sophie lives. You know what? There's a quote from Vladimir Lenin, and the quote is, There are no morals in politics. There is only expedience. A scoundrel may be abused to us just because he is a scoundrel. God, for some reason, I just can't help but thinking of Rahm Emanuel. I just, I'm so sorry to say that. But well, but you're right on the mark. Rahm Emanuel's brother, I believe is a doctor, he's in, he's in line to be part of the doctor group of new federal medical judges who are going to sit in judgment over all of these medical records and determine who gets care and who doesn't get care. I, this, this is just so unbelievable that you, it, it, it defies incredulity. 
Well, th- this is, you see, the whole thing, from my point of view, is this. And by the way, we're on the phone right now with Dennis Wolf, and, uh, and we're talking about health care and socialized health care and what it really is. And if you want to get involved with us, give us a call at 866-954-4276. The point is this. This is a power grab. Right now, we are witnessing, you know, this is almost a coup the way it was when JFK was shot in the head in Dallas. I said this the other day. I said, the difference is we voted for this. I didn't, but some people did. A lot of people did, evidently. And I guess, you know, Chris Matthews is still voting today because he's still got that tingly feeling in his leg. It's, it's you know, But there are no morals. And, as we said before, also a lie told often enough, we all know that from Hitler, becomes truth. Lenin said that back in the early 1900s. Right. And when you keep listening to these people, I listen to Pelosi, which it's very difficult for me to listen without wanting to rip the Sony off the wall and smash it. Um, uh, but when you listen to these people and they're saying, we're going to do this for America. You deserve better. And you know what's really scary, Dennis? Now these kookaroonies are running ads. Have you seen the ads on television in the last few days? Yeah, there's a better way, a better America, or health reform now. It, it's, it's pathetic. I, again, I'm, I've reached the point where I just don't know what to say or do anymore. I'm in sales all my life, Rich, and I cannot figure out what to get through to people. I talk to senior citizens, and I'm absolutely floored when some of the seniors I speak to whom I speak say to me yeah well you know maybe we have lived too long enough and I go you've got to be kidding me you want to just voluntarily die well it, it, it I had to tell you it's sort of like this nation swallowed at least you know 51 52 percent of it swallowed the same stuff that Jonestown had you know a couple of decades ago it's, it's right out of Guyana and Jim Jones and Jonestown I live here in the Bay Area as you know Oh, oh, well, of course. The the Jim Jones Temple was heavily scrutinized back then. There was a lot of news about it, and Congressman Ryan went down there with his assistant, who's now a congresswoman, Jacqueline Spear, from the West Bay, the peninsula. And uh, that story was huge news here. Let let me me give you another quote I think you're going to enjoy, and then this will be another segue for you. Norman Tomlis, a U.S. Socialist Party presidential candidate back in 1940, 44, and 48, said the following. The American people will never knowingly adopt socialism, but under the name of liberalism, they will adopt every fragment of the socialist program until one day America will be a socialist nation without ever knowing how it happened. I think right. we're on that road right now. We're Not only we're road, we're on the downhill side of it. So we're we, speeding we right now. It. It's, a snowball, it's a snowball that's growing so fast that... It's going, to take, it's going to take literally an atomic bomb to blow that snowball apart before it becomes an overwhelming avalanche. So let me ask you, you you're out there. I know you do a lot of radio shows because you send me these links to it all the time. So, you know, what are, they, what, are, what, what are you feeling from people when you're out there doing the shows? You were just, what, in North Carolina recently? I was in North Carolina, and then I was in Detroit the next morning, and then it's the, been an hour in Cheyenne and a, an hour in Tennessee on a nationally networked show. So what are they saying to you, Dennis? People are just... Right. I mean, they're super angry, but I turn to them and I say, you know what, what you're really defining yourself as is an angry apathetic. You're still apathetic. Get off the phone, and I, you know, we don't need to play Peter Finch again. No, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that, I promise. The point is, is that's exactly what people need to do. They need to get in their cars. They need to get into these uh, communities. Don't go to Washington, D.C. That's a waste of time. Right now, get into the congressional districts that are closest to them that contain these blue dog Democrats 
and pound, go door to door and say, this is what your guy is doing. He's selling you out. He doesn't care if you vote him out of office in two years. He's creating a, a, a golden parachute. Because, Rich, I want people to think back in 2006 when, when they took control of Congress. What they did is they, they targeted a few key districts that were just incrementally close to switching over to go Republican or Democrat. And they got those few districts and became Democrat districts. Those are the blue dogs. And then in 2008, it got even worse. We got hammered. The bottom line is they know that it's a small price to pay to give a golden parachute to a few key blue dogs who will sacrifice their seat for this vote. And if people don't understand that, then they got another thought coming, because these people are snakes. They'll still sell us out. Go to those districts. Sit on their doorsteps. Talk to everybody in those districts. Well, I think I think that's the way to go. I think people have to get out there. This is this is a counter revolution. We watched the revolution for the last eighteen months prior to the election. That was the revolution, and it was out there without bullets, kind of. You know, let me let me put it, let me see if I can put this in, and I'll finish this. Is four quick thoughts. Okay. When this guy took power, the first thing he did was kind of get control of the financial institutions, gave him money, bailed him out, took him over. The next thing he did was he got control of the major corporations and forced some of them into bankruptcy and took over the operations and used it to his advantage to further his interest and build more of a support base. And the press the entire time just wooed him like crazy, saying he was a great elected leader. And then when he started killing the Jews, dot, 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 people started saying, I thought we had a representative republic government. Amazing, huh? It's exactly what Hitler did. That's exactly what Hitler did. And when you co-opt the fourth estate or the press, you're in big trouble because there goes the truth. And we all know there's no truth. Yeah. Hard to find it. I, I, I know our time is short, but please, Yeah, I, I'm running out about 20 seconds. All I can say is please, people, wake up, find out where the closest blue dog district is to you, and just pound on every door of every citizen in those, in those communities. Where can they get a hold of you, Dennis, if they want to talk they, to you or they, email you? Uh, email me at J-D-W-O-L-F-E, J-D Wolf. J-D-W-O-L-F-E at J-D-W-O-L-F-E dot com. J-D-Wolf at J-D-Wolf dot com. All right. And you know what? We'll get you back on the show. We'll keep on this thing. We just can't let it go. All right. Keep the faith, brother. Rich, take care. Of <laughs> All right. God bye, bless. Dennis. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. Dennis Wolf, good to have him on the show. Kind of excited. We'll be right back. employment for approximately 180,000 jobs. Among its goals is to promote growth in Miami's cruise and cargo industries and to make sure that every port user can conduct business safely, effectively, and efficiently. A new terminal that is larger than some mid-sized U.S. airport. The new Miami International Airport. A new 350-space ground-level short-term parking lot. The new Miami International Airport. The only U.S. airport with sleep pods. The new Miami International Airport. The international gateway to the Americas with more flights to South America than all U.S. airports combined. The new Miami International Airport. And coming soon, 61 new retail and food shops to add to your airport's savoir-faire. Come experience the new Miami International Airport and watch us move towards the future. The new Miami International Airport. 
You know where I'm spending my next romantic evening out with my wife? At Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. Maybe we'll start the evening with a five-star dinner at the newly opened Fontana Ristorante, enjoying their authentic Italian cuisine prepared by renowned chef Gaetano Accione. Or perhaps we'll dine at the acclaimed Palm d'Or restaurant. Zagat called Palm d'Or one of the best restaurants in the country. South Florida's best restaurants are at the Biltmore Carl Gables Miami. On Thursday after dinner, we could really enjoy Biltmore Unplugged. Live jazz music poolside at the Cascade Bar and Grill. Fine food and live jazz is awaiting your next romantic evening at Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. Visit www.biltmorehotel.com for more information or call them at 1-800-747-1926 for reservations. The perfect night out is at Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. Do you own a business outsourcing your accounting? Then call the accounting and tax experts at TNJ Tax Service. For over 30 years, TNJ Tax Service has been preparing taxes for South Florida companies and individuals. As enrolled agents with the Internal Revenue Service, the pros at TNJ Tax Service can represent you or your company professionally to the IRS. Have challenges with your company's bookkeeping? Then call TNJ Tax Services. QuickBooks certified. TNJ Tax Services can provide training on QuickBooks for any small business. If you need monthly or quarterly bookkeeping services to handle all of your payroll and business needs, then you need to call. TNJ Tax Service, located at Taft and Flamingo in the Pillbox Plaza. Call 954-432-1700. 954-432-1700. TNJ Tax Services. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rothman. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. Fresh talk with a South Florida flavor. If you ask me, everybody in this theater is a giant sucker. Especially... This is the Rich Rothman Show. Okay, welcome back to the show. It's uh, 34 minutes after the hour on the Rich Rothman Show, uh, 880 The Biz. Good to have you here. The number is 866-954-4276, the number at the station. would like to get involved with us and talk to us. Uh, we have a very interesting person on the uh, on the phone right now, a good friend of ours. She's been on the show at least twice, maybe three times, no, I think twice. Uh, Ned Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rich. It's great to be back to talk with you again. Well, you know, it's too long. Annette, by the way, for those who have not listened before, is a, a psychic detective, medical intuitive, a ghostbuster. I see dead people. And she does, and, and, and an author. And she's, I have to tell you, she's been all over the world and with police investigations. I know you've seen her on Good Morning America and Court TV and Psychic Detective, and she's been on the BBC and Nancy Grace. And that's got to be hard to do. Nancy Grace is so intense. I need a Valium when I watch Nancy Grace. I have to calm down because it's she's so like, you know, she wants to just rip your heart out. You know what I mean? Oh, you know, Rich, she was absolutely wonderful when she interviewed me because it was in regards, of course, to a police case. And it was uh, Mr. Prado who was missing out here in California. And I had been on... Um, 
uh, psychic detective show, and it was so popular that she asked me to come on, and she interviewed me, and I told her the story and everything, and at the end of the show, she says to me, well, Annette, I just have two words to tell you, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what is she going to say? Yeah, really, <laughs> and, and are they going to get bleeped? Right, no. She said, thank you. Well, that was well, very I sweet. I almost fell out of the chair. <laughs> I mean, if she can be, there's the softer, sort of like Sears, there's the softer side of Nancy Grace. You know <laughs> yes, what I mean? There is. There is definitely a soft side to her. Uh, she was very kind and, um, and very appreciative of the work that we had done on that case. Well, and we're going to talk about a, a number of cases. First of all, um, you have the book out, Gift of the White Light. Yes. And, and people can get that book in b major bookstores or Amazon.com. That's right. And, and I presume that's doing well. Great stories. Great, great. You know, someone today asked me, uh, you know, what's the story with Annette Martin? Because I remember your name and being on the show. You know, how did she get to be this way? So maybe let's give the two-minute description a little bit for those people who want to learn about you and then want to go into some of your cases. Well, who are you I, anyway? Pardon me? Who are you anyway? Who am I? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just a blonde from California. Oh, that's um, only one of two million. Okay, that's good. <laughs> right. I got it. Good so far. Wow, what a surprise. It's amazing. <laughs> well, you see, um, I started doing this when I was seven years old, Rich. And, and so it, being intuitive was just a part of my life. But I really, really wanted to be an opera singer or a movie star. And that's where I was headed. And so my life sort of has gone down two paths because I did become the opera singer and I have done a lot of musical comedy as well as, of course, being a, a very well-known worldwide uh, psychic. And so it's been a lot of fun and I have just loved it. And many of your listeners have probably seen me on a lot of the television shows that keep running all the time. They keep well, you're exactly them. right because, I mean, Discovery Channel constantly replays. Yes. History Channel constantly replays. Travel Channel constantly replays. It's sort of like after a while, like, hey, I was there already. Um, you know. <laughs> well, you know, it's getting so silly because now I, I kind of feel like a star because I can go to a restaurant and I'll see people turning around and kind of staring at me. And um, I'll say to my husband, oh, gosh, those people are staring at me. I wonder if they recognize me. And pretty soon they'll come over and they'll go, aren't you Annette Martin? <laughs> and I'll go, yes. <laughs> and then you should stare at them with a look of horror. You know what I mean? And they'll go, what's wrong? And you yeah. go, never mind. Well, now I certainly know what it feels like when you're a movie star uh, <laughs> and people, you know, are staring at you and running after you and the paparazzi and the whole thing. That, that would get a little scary. Well, yeah, see, in your case, I, I can see that because you're out there on, on legitimate television. I did a commercial this year, my, my first TV commercial, and it was for a, a, a public adjuster, which is a big deal in Florida because we have hurricanes. You know, it's a very self-defeating thing because you have a hurricane come in, you fix your house up, and then four weeks later you get another hurricane and just rips the hell out of everything you just cleaned up before. And so public adjusters are important. You have to go out and fight for your money from the insurance companies because they're basically not nice. Right. Right. So I do this commercial for, you know, the public adjuster, the, the biggest one in the state of Florida. And, and I swear to God, I now, I walked into delicatessens, like I just did one up in Pompano a few Sundays ago to get some stuff. And I don't know these. I've never been there before. I said, wow, I think I'm going to try this place. I walk in, four guys behind the counter all look sideways and go, hey, I know who you are. <laughs> this is a damn delicatessen. Hey, give me a pound of corned beef, all right? I need... 
Hey, how are you? I, you do that, uh, do whatever. You know what I mean? So, you know, people, let me, when people see you, though, Annette, do they ask you, like, you know, any, do they try and get intrusive a little bit and say, can you help me? Uh, they're pretty good about that. that. No, I wouldn't say they don't. They, they do not. Oh, well, that's nice of them, because I could see where they, you know, sorry, while you're eating your steak, and just right. put that aside for a second, please. <laughs> Take a look at me. Tell me what you see, because I think my Uncle Harry is inside, all right? <laughs> it's a little confusing for me, particularly when I take a shower. I don't know. I want to wear a certain type of underwear. For some reason, I'm wearing BBDs. Really upsets me. <laughs> Maybe you can help me. I don't know. Fortunately, that does not happen. No, it doesn't happen. No, thank God. <laughs> but but let's, I want to get back to some of the things that, that, you, that you do. And in your book, you talk about some of them. And you're right. When you were young, you started seeing, uh, started seeing spirits. You started seeing dead people, I guess. They yes. came to you. Yes, I did. And, uh-huh. and you said they were so overwhelming that you, you couldn't sometimes sleep at night because they would come to you. That's right. That's right. It, it, it got to be kind of silly. And, uh, you know, I had to stop that because it was just getting too much. Because people were coming by to say goodbye to me that I didn't even know. Can you imagine? Well, <laughs> well. And seeing someone at the end of your bed or, or, you know, near the door and saying, oh, I've just come by to say goodbye. Did they leave you any checks? I mean, no. that would be nice. He came to say nice. goodbye, <laughs> thought you'd like to have this. Got to go. I'll probably see you in about 10 years. <laughs> You know what I mean? I have to go to the light because I'm going to learn about life. That's right. I've read those books. I'm going right. to learn about you know. life and what I did wrong, and I'm going to get an opportunity, maybe in in another 20 decades, to do it again. Right. No, really. I mean, that's it. Doesn't there's no guarantee you're going to come back right away. You may you may wait 30 years to come back as a as an old soul, or um, I guess that's true. That's guess, true. But these yeah. were people who were who had just passed away, and they had come by to say goodbye to me. And it didn't matter where I lived. Some of them were in Hong Kong. Some of them were in Mexico City. Some of them were here in the United States. I mean, it just didn't matter where I was. They found me. And that's what I thought was just absolutely fascinating. Well, now that it's fascinating, here's our segue. Let's go to some of the... You've done some really good cases. Yes. And, and, and you're one of the few people out there that I think police departments and the FBI's and stuff, they look to you for help. And, and you could take a case that could be 30 years old and, and turn it on its heels. That's exactly what I have done, yes. And, in fact, we have a 30-year-old case that's going to be featured. Don't you love segues? Yes, on the Biography Channel this Saturday night. This Saturday night on the Biography Channel. Let's talk about this because people can, you know, they can get ready to uh, DVR it, TiVo it. That's right. So let's hear about it. Okay, well, it's going to be Psychic Investigators is the name of the show. And the title of this segment is called Breaking Up is Hard to Do. And it's a 30-year-old case that I had worked on. Neil Sedaka. No. Okay, sorry. I just I thought I won something. I'm sorry. I, forgive me. I'm, I got carried away in that. Yeah, this was a case out here in Los Altos, California, and uh, a very distraught mother who had come into my office and, and asked me to find her missing daughter. And I had to tell her, oh, I'm terribly sorry, but I can't work with the families. I only work with the police agencies on a missing persons case. Well, the woman just went ballistic and just was beside herself and to calm her down i finally well, did she get mad or she just so disappointed just disappointed and just falling apart in front of me and i my oh heart my God. broke and i just said okay all right i will do this and so i did 
and uh, I found out uh, who, what had happened to her daughter uh, at the school, and I saw that her boyfriend had picked her up and gave her the name of the boyfriend, and she goes, yes, that's his name. And uh, I said, well, he came by and picked her up at the school and coerced her into his car and took her somewhere, and they argued, and he killed her. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. How old was this case? 30 years? 30 years ago. So this mother, maybe we could understand why the the mom was so upset. She agonized for 30 years. She's never had closure on this. No, actually, she passed away. Oh, dear. She actually passed away, and so did the father. Uh They're all gone. They're all gone. They're all gone. Yeah. Well, 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 this, this begs the question then, Annette. Now, now that the daughter was gone, were you able to communicate with the, the, the spirit of the mother or father? Um, we didn't look into that because I did the case 30 years ago. Oh, 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 oh right. I exactly, actually exactly, exactly. did the case 30 years ago. Gotcha. Sorry. Okay. And uh, so what happened was after I did this reading uh, for her, um, I had asked her before I started to promised me that she would take the tape over to the police department and also that when she went home to tell her family what I saw, if I did see anything, that they were not to go out and uh, talk to anybody about it or accuse anybody. And she agreed that she would do that. Well, what happened was uh, she did take the tape over to the police department and I also sent a tape over to the police department and they threw both of the tapes into the drawer and never looked at them, never listened to them. Well, about a year later, they found the girl's body. And uh, the police had thought that the girl had run away because she had run away before. And so they just assumed that she was a runaway. And so they didn't care what I had to say. Okay. So a year later, they find the body. And of course, they don't know who killed her and how what happened and whatever. So what happens is that I get a call from uh, this inspector detective. Uh, Mike Chambry, and uh, he calls me up and he says, well, Annette, he said, "Um, I've been told that you did a reading for Laura's mother uh, about 26 years ago, and I said, yes, I did, and he said, you wouldn't happen to have any notes or a tape, would you, of that session, and I just started laughing, and I said, you're not going to believe this, but I do. I have the tape, the original tape. And he says, oh, my God. He said, can you make a copy for me? I said, well, not only will I make a copy for you, but I will transcribe it for you as well. And he said, oh, that's wonderful. So he came over, and he got the tape. And I don't want to tell you the rest of the story. No, no, because they got to watch the show. Right. <laughs> they got to watch the show. Let me, let me, when, when you contact, well, first of all, it's usually the other way around, isn't it? Don't the police departments contact you? Correct. And, 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 and where have you done You've done this all over the United States, I guess. All over the United States. Oh, yes. And, and I've been contacted by the U.K. and South America and uh, Taiwan, all over. All over. My God, that's expensive. <laughs> oh, really? I, mean, I would imagine that to do and to, to go on to some of these expeditions to find out the truth. And Well, I don't always have to go there. And what we generally do in the first initial reading that I do at the session is that I have them send an original photograph of the person who is missing and a map of the area that they're missing from. And I go from that. 
and I, we record every single thing. And the detective, say if he's in New York, he's on the other end of the phone, and I tell him, you know, to ask me questions. Don't worry about interrupting me. Ask me questions like, okay, Annette, you see a car. What color is the car? And I will tell him what color the car is. Okay, now, Annette, open the door and look inside the car and tell me what you see in there. Things like that. So what happens is the kind of work that I do, it's that we discover far more information and far more clues for the case. And also, since, Rich, I am a medical intuitive, that even adds even more. What does that mean? Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't say that to these people. What is a <laughs> medical intuitive? Well, it means that I can see inside bodies. Ooh. And that's how I started at seven years old, seeing inside bodies mm -hmm. and seeing what was wrong and what was going on. So in the police cases, this uh, aspect of my work plays a very large part because I'm able to tell the detective, okay, well, this guy has a scar on his left leg and it was created by such and such, okay? Uh, he's taking this kind of medication so especially with the medications, because that's something they can trace back. And that has happened in several of the cases that I've done where they've been able to find out where the suspect had uh, gotten his drugs from and where he was. Oh, my God. When you deal with this, and I'm sure you deal with many skeptics in the police department. Oh, you sure. know, Some of them aren't very creative because I know they've stopped me for tickets, and I, <laughs> I've tried to be very creative as to why I would get stopped and, and of course. nobody would they stop you rich they just they wouldn't believe that you know I would you know whatever but so but I am sure uh, give me one example of a guy that just really was skeptical and worked with you for x number of weeks or maybe even a year and and then you you do this incredible whatever you find the body or you 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 not only you find the body you find exactly clues and hints and discussions and and sensories that this person had this happen to them and and it turns out to be the truth well let me tell you about two fbi men <laughs> ah talk about black they, and white people okay go ahead yeah they they were involved with the very first case that i worked on at the marin sheriff's office in marin county california and uh, they were brought in uh, the first day that I had, I had come in, and I had spent four hours with Detective Richard Keaton, and then they asked me to come back in the evening, and I walked into a room of 35 people, and there were these two FBI men, a judge, the district attorney, a whole bunch of detectives. And so the FBI men, um, while I was telling them what I was picking up about this particular murder, uh, they started saying, oh, no, no, that's not true. No, no, that's not true. And Detective Richard Keaton, who was kind of orchestrating this whole session, uh, stopped me and took the two FBI men out of the room and told them, you are wrong because we have such and such information and she is telling the truth. Whoa! <laughs> so what was there? How did they? How did they like flip to the other side then, or didn't well, they? Well, they kept their mouth shut, and they came back into the room and listened to the rest of what I had to say. And I had told them uh, about this murder and that they would find this man. He would kill again. Uh, they would find him in a year that he would be wearing white, working in an institutional setting, and it would not be in California. Well, t 
to the day, a year later, I get a phone call from Detective Sergeant Richard Keaton, and he says to me, Annette, are you sitting down? Now, Rich, when anybody ever says that to me, I know, uh-oh, something really big is coming. And he says, we have found our suspect. And you do realize today is the birthday of the year that you gave us this reading. They found him. He had tried to murder another girl. They found him working in a convalescent home wearing white in Washington State. Oh, my God. And I went, that's just what I said. <laughs> I mean, when you saw this in your mind and you saw this person in white, I mean, uh, what were they wearing? Or, you, or just the color white overwhelmed white pants, you? White white shirt. Mm -hmm. Could have and been good what, humor, man. Yeah, that's what he was wearing. Yeah. Oh, I was stunned. I, I, I was so... I just couldn't believe it. And I said to him, I said, you're kidding me. And he, on the other end, you know, being a very straight cop, he says, no, I'm not kidding you, Annette Martin. Wow. <laughs> well, and so that's a, you know, they're your friend when they ask you what you would like have, to have on your pizza. I mean, <laughs> right. you know you got them. When they, when they, did you want onion on that or, you know, because we're going to be calling in for the boys later. Um, Annette, uh, the show is this Saturday night, and then it's going to be played and played and played. I know it is. If, uh, yes, it, if will. it's on at ten o'clock, it's back on. By the way, at three in the morning, because I know I don't sleep. <laughs> and uh, oh, gosh. no, really, because yeah, make sure that everyone checks their local listing for the channel and time. It's biography, right? The show, the uh, station. Correct. And and the name of the show. Do you, what's what's it, the title Breaking for the segment? Breaking up is hard to do. Breaking. No, why did you know? I get well. Yeah, I guess it's, it is a Neil Sedaka moment for everybody, yeah. saying that. So, just we only have about a minute left or so. What What are you working on? Where you, what have you been doing these days? I know you're all over the place. Well, I'm all over the place, and also I have just signed a contract to write seven ghost travel guidebooks with my publisher, and I'm going to be doing that with Lloyd Arbach, who is a world famous parapsychologist and my partner in ghost busting. Oh my goodness, that'd be great. Yes, yeah, so, so we're working on our first book for San Francisco area. When when do you expect that these will be you know finished that you can get them the into first mainstream? One will be out after the first of the year in 2010. First of the year, so um, well, I guess they'll start promoting it. I guess just prior to that. Yes, you know? well I'll give you a call and we can talk about it. Well, yeah, we we want to know what you're doing because Annette Martin knows. I mean, I. I, I, you know what? I gotta, I gotta hook up with you one of these days. I, I've been meaning to do this, and one of these days, I am gonna get out to the West Coast, which is where you're at. Yeah. And and if people want to meet you and talk to you and spend some time with you, how do they do that, Annette? Right. All they need to do is go to my website, which is www.annette-a-n-n-e-t-t-e-hyphen-martin.com. That's all I gotta do. Yep. They go to my website, and they will see there's a big button on there that says if they want to schedule a reading, and my email address is on there as well. Well, that's, that's good. Now, can I ask a, a real serious question? I mean, how do you, do you screen to some degree those who get involved with you or call you? Or, I mean, it would seem to me you get a lot of very serious calls, but then you get a lot of calls you really don't want to take. No, I don't. You don't? Okay. No, I do not screen. Oh, well, there you have it, folks. So everyone who's got nothing to do, I want you getting a hold of this woman because she can really help you. Well, Annette, um, I just got to thank you for taking the time to come on the show today. I really enjoy talking with you. Thank you. It was lots of fun. And, and we'll get you back real soon. All right. All right. I'm going to watch the show, and, and I'll email you after I see the show. Oh, wonderful. And Take tell care. me what you think. I'm going to do that. Thanks, All Annette. Right.
Thank All right, you. take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I just love having her on the show, Alex. She is just a hoot to have. She's interesting. I mean, interesting. It, she solves crimes that are I know. Forever. I mean, I'm a total skeptic, but she makes me come very close to believing it. Well, i got to give you her book. I have, I have two copies of her book at home. All right. And I'm going to bring one in for you. If I email me later, and, and I'll bring it in before I forget. Woman is amazing, and she's done some spectacular stuff, and she's been doing this since she's just a little girl. And uh, there are a lot of very serious guys out there, like she described the FBI folks and sheriff's departments all over the United States, who were very skeptical, and they turn around, and know it, lo and behold, she solves the crime. It really is amazing. That is, I don't know how she does it. I don't, she's got this magic power, and God bless her. I think that's terrific. Well, it was an awful lot of fun having you on the show today. But you listen to me, folks. You get madder than hell, and you tell people how mad you are. And don't you sit back. And think that this this uh, this uh, socialization of healthcare is a good thing. What you're watching is the dismantling of the best healthcare system in the world. Why do you suppose people come here for their healthcare? Whether it's Canada, the president of Italy last year when he had a, a major problem with his heart, he came here. He didn't go to Switzerland. He didn't stay in Europe. He came here. Why? Because we're the best. And don't apologize for that. All right. I want to thank everybody listening to the show. We're on 880 The Biz. We'll see you next week. Same time, same station. Bye, Alex. We'll be back for more of the good. I regret to announce. The bad. This is the end. The business. I'm going now. I bid you all a very fond farewell. This is the Rich Rothman Show. So-